Well, hello. My name is Alfred Turley. I am glad to be with you, Rockbridge. I want to welcome all our campuses. I want to welcome Cleveland, Hickson, Ringgold, Chatsworth, Dalton, Calhoun, and all you folks participating online. We're so excited that you're here with us right now. And I even want to give a shout out because I know this week our Spanish service is going to be joining us. So I want to say, uh, hola, como estas? Uh, that's about all I know. I'm not real great with it, but excited that you're here with us as well as we continue in our How To series. Now, We've been, all of us, you know, we've been praying about this and, and we're always just asking God, you know, what, what do people need to hear? What do we all need to hear? But you know, it occurred to me, there's a theme that's been going through, really, really going through things for months and maybe even the last year. And, and there's this theme that I think we can all agree with and it's the heaviness and the weight for us who are Christ followers that the world doesn't see very much good stuff in the general, overall, global church. And, and I would just say, we know this, Matt's talked about this, and a lot of us, you know, we look on, on, on social media or in the world, and the church just doesn't look a lot like Jesus. It doesn't look full of a lot of love and full of, instead, we see anger and frustration, and we see, you know, picking sides and division and disunity and, you know, a lot of, a lot of just frustration and a lot of self, you know, people condemning each other and tearing each other up. up. And then we see a lot of anger, fear and worry and anxiety. And, and the point of this is, it, it just doesn't, the church global, the church overall, especially in the United States, doesn't look that different than the world. And as we've been talking a lot about how can we live in a way to reach the world, to reach the world with the good news of Jesus Christ, we must be confronted with the fact that the world can look at us and go, well, your life doesn't look any better than mine, except you just have more rules. You've got religion and in many ways, I, I can do what I want, and you can't, and you don't look any happier than I do. So in many ways, the, the church just isn't, we're not doing a great job, you know, promoting Jesus. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that about Rockbridge. I would disagree about Rockbridge, but just overall as a church. But I think this also affects us as we're at work, and we, we care, if we carry the, the label Jesus, or Christian, excuse me, we don't, please don't say I'm Jesus, uh, <laughs> He can be in you, but please, uh, we've had that happen before. Um, so let me get back to this. Let's be Christ followers, and we want to be Christ followers out in the world, but we, we want to look like him, and the world oftentimes is like, you guys don't look like Jesus. And, and it's a problem. It is a huge problem for us. But as, as, as this week, we're in how to, and, and there's something that, that uh, I'm very passionate about, and I was praying about it, and I felt like, yeah, I need to talk about this, and it's about prayer. Well, we're going to talk about prayer and how to pray, but I want to go to a specific question for us that, that I think is very important, and it's this, how can we pray so that we are changed and look more like Jesus. Does prayer have a part in that transformation? I would say yes, very much so. And that's what we want to talk about. So I want to go to a passage, and, and we're going into the book of Philippians 
chapter 4. If you've got a Bible, open it up, a, a smart device, whatever. And we'll, of course, put it on the screen. But if you want to go there, Philippians 4 is going to be our main passage, 4, 4 through 7. And it's a very important passage. Now, here's why it's kind of a cool passage. So Paul is writing to the church in Philippi. And he's written a good letter, and this is at the end of the letter, and he's kind of like going, okay, now that the letters, I've kind of said my main stuff, oh yeah, don't forget this, and don't forget this, and don't forget this. And so we get this kind of compressed little advice of like, oh yeah, and don't forget this. And he compresses some key points in just a few little verses, and it's just truly incredible advice for us that I want us, I want us to look at, and it's about prayer. It's kind of the subject of prayer. So let's jump into Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. And you've probably heard this before you've ever been in church or been around church stuff. Maybe you've seen this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness and many translations say this is also could be translated as to gentleness. And I love that. And I think it's pretty challenging. So that's why I put it up here. Gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, that's like, and that's a, he's just saying, oh yeah, don't forget, uh, rejoice, pray, don't worry, give it to God, all this stuff, and peace will be yours. You know, it's kind of this compressed little thing. It's like the cliff note version, for those of you who even know what cliff notes are and are old like me. So, Awesome advice, but, but how do we get into it? Because here's the thing. Honestly, we take these themes. We take the theme of do not worry. We take the theme of rejoicing. We take the theme of, you know, prayer, give it to God. And we see joy and we see peace. Now, I don't know about you. When it says rejoice all the time, rejoice, I'll say it again, rejoice. I don't know about you. That kind of feels like it kind of feels intimidating. I mean, it sounds wonderful. Sounds wonderful. But are you walking that out every day or just, I'm rejoicing? I mean, some of you, I know, but some of you, maybe you are. But how much of this peace is ruling your life? To me, this almost feels like a spiritual marathon that's like, well, maybe one day my life will look like that. But I would tell you this, God's calling us there and it is available to us all. But there's a key part of this. Do not worry. Now, I need to translate this. I want it to connect it to something key, something that's big. Because a lot of times in, our, in, in even the scriptural language and translations, the, the words don't always connect as, as, which, as much as we want. Because in all honesty, we have so many words for fear in the English language. I mean, stress, anxiety, worry. I mean, stress is a nice professional way to say you're afraid. I mean, we say I'm stressed out. You are dealing with fear. And we'll get into that in a little more. But do not worry equals do not fear. That's what that means. Do not fear. Jesus says over and over, do not be afraid. It's throughout the scriptures. God says to, to his people, Old Testament, New Testament, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. If we want to be different, 
to the world. If we want to be like Jesus out in the world and make the difference he's calling us to make, we must address our biggest enemy, fear. I want to go to 1 John and just read one verse. 1 John 4.18, this is the, the apostle John. And listen to this language. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment or kind of the fear of punishment, the dread that I'm going to get spanked or punished or whatever. I'm getting some wrath poured out on me for who knows what. It, it involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. It's an incredibly important verse you see, we move into love, we move into love through faith. You see, faith, we begin to have faith in what Jesus did for us. See, the gospel tells us that Jesus died for our sins and took the penalty. He took the punishment that we deserve, he took it to the cross. He died for us. Then he was raised to life as a sign and a seal that we will be raised to life too and that we can have eternal life and that death is not the end for those who follow Jesus Christ. And then he, was, he ascended to the right hand of God the Father and is now the reigning king. And Matt told us a scripture a few weeks ago that says we should approach the throne of grace with boldness. Because of Jesus, we now, free, we now have free access to the throne of a heavenly father who has now made a way for us to come before him even in all our mess and ask for what we need and it is given to us. The resources of heaven are available to us for the asking now because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is available to all of us. We begin to believe in that and have faith in that. It shows us that we are loved. And love comes in, pushes aside our fear, and begins to give us a beautiful byproduct, a beautiful thing called peace. Peace. Now, I would say to you right now, peace and fear are total opposites. They cannot coexist. You cannot say, I am stressed out, and yeah, oh yeah, I have great peace about this. You can't, those, it doesn't work. Peace and fear cannot coexist, and you must understand that. So fear is the enemy of this peace, and fear is the proof that we are not standing in the truth of the gospel, accepting, accepting this beautiful truth in our lives. It may be an area of our life, but it is an area nonetheless where peace is not reigning, and the gospel is not reigning in our life. Everything we do is rooted in fear or love. Now, that's a challenging statement. But if you've got peace, you believe, you believe things are good there. You think things are good. There's a, there is a goodness in your life that comes from the Heavenly Father that's reigning in that area of your life. If you're stressed, if you're worried, if you're anxious, if you're ang all those kind of things, that is fear. That's not the love of God. That's not love. Everything in our life is rooted in one of those things. And you can, you can, you could just, if you got questions, we can come talk about it. But I promise you, this is true. Fear, worry, anxiety, depression, hopelessness, anger. Now, I would say to you, this is the plague on the church, especially the American church. 
fear, anxiety, worry, depression, hopelessness, anger. That's the plague on us. Fear is our enemy. Fear is our enemy. So here's what we have to do. We have to go. We have to decide, are we going to just let it be this way or are we going to go after it? And I would say to you, we have to fight to get through this. We have to fight and choose to believe. We have to put faith in the cross and we have to put faith in the gospel and go go after this because it's robbing you of what God wants. It's robbing you of his love. But think about this. I want you to begin asking yourself this question. Why am I angry, hopeless, anxious, stressed, worried? Why? And let me give you a few, let me, let's go for a few examples. I'm angry because my wife won't listen to me. I'm depressed because my situation never seems to change. I'm hopeless because he or she rejected me again. I'm angry because my coworkers are incompetent. I'm worried because our country is out of control because of fill in the blank. Now, as you take those things, and maybe one of them hits you, let's go a little further with it. All right? And I've had to learn this in my own life. And when I, be, when I begun to press into this question, this is where things begin to get real. What am I afraid of? And even your anger, because here it is. I'm afraid, you know, I'm angry because my wife won't listen to me. Well, why are you angry? Well, you keep pushing in and finally you realize, you know what? I'm afraid deep down that I'm not man enough, good enough, or strong enough for her. And she's going to get tired of me. Or I'm afraid you know, I'm depressed because my situation never seems to change. Well, why? What, what are you afraid of? Well, finally, I'm afraid I will never find someone and I'll never feel loved. I'm angry because my coworkers are incompetent. Yeah, really, but why? What are you afraid of? Well, you know what? I'm afraid my coworkers are making me look bad. And it's affecting my future. And we could keep going with so many things. I'm afraid I'm not beautiful enough. I'm not attractive enough. I'm afraid I'll never live a life of significance. That I'm just stuck in this place. And it will never change. I'm afraid I am stuck in this job, relationship, situation, marriage. And my best years are flushing down the toilet. And for my country, I'm angry about my country, but what are you afraid of? You know what? I'm afraid for my children, for our future. And I'm afraid nothing is going to change. Now, maybe that hits you a little closer. And we begin to realize that fear is our enemy. The problem is those things feel very true. And it's hard to just make those go away. But I want to go back to our passage in Philippians. Don't worry about anything. But in everything through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. 
And I want to go back to that do not worry. And I want to tell you a story. So years and years ago, um, I'm getting older, but years and years ago, it, well, I began to think recently, why am I so passionate about prayer? Why is it such a big deal in my own personal life? Because it is, and I just discovered, I remember falling, it just really falling into prayer in my 20s. And I was going, what happened? How did this happen to me? Because truthfully, I think if we can understand, if I can understand that, maybe I can figure out, well, how, did, how can other people get excited about prayer? And I remember this, and I was so, I, I first gave control of my life to Jesus when I was about 20 years old. And I was not, I had actually been a Christ, or I'd given my life, I'd been saved when I was seven and younger, but I didn't walk consistently. But at 20, he came to me and just, we had the moment, and I gave him everything. But at that time, I was actually a student at Georgia Tech in engineering. And I was getting clobbered by my classes and by these professors who came from hell. Um, <laughs> They, I don't know where they got them, but, you know, horns and tails. I'm kidding. Um, but I came to the realization, though, I mean, I was getting clobbered, and I thought I was smart. I was smart. I went to Dalton High School, and I was actually pretty, I mean, I was up there in, like, the top 15 or whatever. And I got to Georgia Tech, and not only was I not even average, I mean, I was below average. And there was real danger that I was not going to be able to make it out of this. And I had never dealt with anything like this. And I remember I came to the realization that I could not pass these classes. I could not do what they were asking me to do. I was not physically or intellectually or emotionally capable of what they were asking. And I remember that, and I was afraid. So I began to pray. And God began to give me a faith and an assurance that indeed he wanted me there and he wanted me to stay because that was actually on the table. That he wanted me there. Well, it came down to, okay, well, if you want me here, God, then I tell you what, you're gonna have to do this because I can't. I will do what I can, but you're gonna have to meet me in the middle of this because I cannot, I cannot do what they're asking me to do. So I began to pray and he began to take my fear away and give me peace and joy. And my grades began to go up. And some of it, he, he showed me some things to do differently. I'd never really learned how to work hard and study. I, I just, and, and he began to show me some things. But truthfully, man, there were some bona fide, just flat out miracles. I mean, there was one class I was going, I'm like, this is a big fat F. I'm going to have to take this baby over. And somehow, miraculously, everybody in the class failed. And they just didn't want to look bad. So they gave everybody like B's and A's. And I, I'm serious. That is exactly what I, I came out with a B in this class. And I mean, miracles like that happened all the time. And I was just like, Lord Jesus, this, this degree is not coming from me. This is coming from you. But he took my fear and gave me peace. And then he came in my situation and did what I could not do. I still tend to think, about all the things that can go wrong. I'm still a fear. I still trend toward fear. I still trend toward worry. I still think about the things that can go wrong. I think about what other people will think of me. Sometimes I can get caught up in people pleasing. I tend to think about failing. And I sometimes worry about not living fully for God. 
But now I recognize the fear. Because when I don't have peace, I'm afraid. And now I know, all right, where'd my peace go? I don't know where it went. Where'd I drop it? Let's go back and figure out where it went. I was having a good day. Where'd it go? Let me go back and figure out what scared me. What created fear? I'm angry. Why am I angry? I can almost always tie it back to fear. I go back to it now because now I am going to fight for it because I don't want to live that way anymore. I don't want that in my life. And I promise you, you don't want it either. God has a peace that makes no sense in the natural. The peace at Georgia Tech made no sense. I had classmates that would freak out about stuff. I was like, I don't know, y'all. I'm just, I'm just giving it to God. And, and I still did, my, I did what I could, but y'all, I just wasn't that smart. There's some smart people down there, some strange people down there. But it was still... He has a peace that makes no sense. We come with our fears. We come to him, to the throne, and we confront our fears with him and his love and his power and his grace and his promises. And he gives us peace. He doesn't fix everything. That would be silly for me to say. But he gives us peace in the storm, joy in the storm. He carries us through, and we carry it through in a way that the world is like, what, who, who are you? What's wrong with you? His peace is what the world is craving to know. And his promises, his word will break the power of your fear. His word tells us things like this. He loves you. And your life matters to him. So you can't say, I don't matter to you. You know, I just don't. You can't say that. That's not true. He He always wants us to make a difference. And there's a scripture that says he desires that we excel in every good work. You can't say he wants you to fail. He will never waste our life. He died for your life. You can't say he's going to let you waste your life. That's not true. He will guard your future if you will trust it to him. He cares. That is truth. That's his word. And there's so many promises that we've got to confront our fears with. Now, I've been talking about prayer, but that's the whole thing. Our prayer, our going to him, that's what prayer is. We take it to him and we get the great exchange We give him our fear. We take up his promises and his love given in Jesus Christ and we get peace and the world will be watching. You see, this is the peace that the world is craving to know and this is the peace that will have your coworkers asking you to pray for them when no one is looking. This is the peace that will have people asking you questions in the break room. Peace that even results in joy in the storms and it makes us attractive to those around us because they want to be around us. They sense hope in us. And I promise you, they won't say you look like the rest of the world if you're walking in peace. Now, I want to keep going. I want to go back to our verse, back to the prayer. At pray, we've been saying this at Rockbridge. Pray until you pray. And this is my new goal, and this should be our goal. We need to pray through 
Pray until that fear is gone. Go in there to the throne until we lay that fear down. And we exchange it for the promises of God, the love of God, the truth of God in Jesus Christ. That's our charge. We have to fight for it. We have to fight for it, but it's worth it. I promise you. That's my goal. Let's go back to our prayer verse. Don't worry about anything. So again, no fear. And and let's look at some key things here. Anything, in everything, through prayer. And in this case, prayer, it's, it's more of just the communication. Just talk to God. But petition, earn it. Petition, kind of the definition is an earnest entreating, that we are earnestly entreating God. And with thanksgiving, praise and gratitude and attitude of gratefulness, present your request to God. But I want to go to where Jesus, the disciples asked Jesus, so that now we're going to transition to Matthew chapter 6, because I want to talk a little about four key aspects of prayer as we get into more of the how-to of it that are just so crucial for us. All right, so the disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray, Lord. So he said, okay. Now, I want to tell you that this is not, it's not magic words and it's not a formula because nowhere in the New Testament do we see this prayer repeated. So even the disciples knew he was giving us principles, not specifically a prayer to repeat every day, although it's totally fine if you do. But it's not a formula. There's principles here. So let's go into, this is the Lord's Prayer. So Jesus told them, therefore you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, this is probably very familiar to you. You've probably heard this before. Well, several years ago here at Rockbridge, we developed a little acronym that, that kind of helps remember some of these principles. If you've been around here, you know we like those. Um, we like it because it helps me. I have a terrible memory, but I can remember these, and this one's actually helped me a lot. So I want to go into a little acronym here, and it's called a simple way to P-R-A-Y. Now, our Spanish service is, uh, we're participating, they're participating with us as well. So I want to, it is going to be A-C-A-P in Spanish. So we'll have the translation on here as well. So a simple way to pray based on the Lord's Prayer. So we're going to take some of the verses out of the Lord's Prayer and kind of get a principle around them. So let's go to the first one. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Let's, this first one, let's call it praise. In Spanish, it's alaba. I hope I said that right. But praise and thanksgiving, an attitude of gratitude. You see, he's telling them, focus our Father in heaven. Your name be honored as holy. God, you are awesome. And we want your name honored as holy. And throughout scriptures, we, talk, we hear it saying, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. So just remember this. Listen, thanksgiving And gratitude, when you get in the discipline of saying thank you, God, and thank you for your faithfulness, you enter into the faith you need to receive the love and the peace and conquer the fear. Because thanksgiving will force you to reflect on good things that are all around you that are representative of his 
past faithfulness that guarantee and help you believe in his future faithfulness. And if you're really struggling to believe he's done anything good for your life, then believe in what he's done for other people's life. Thank you that you gave the promotion to John. I'm going to believe that maybe you'll do the same for me. I mean, I honestly, you can find things to be thankful for in your own life, but if you're really struggling, be thankful for what he's done for other people. But just focus on his faithfulness. Focus on his goodness. Because if you'll focus on that, it'll make it easier for you to believe it for you in the present and in the future. So start with praise. And I, and I will say in, these, in the sequence of all these, the sweet sequence really doesn't matter. But I will say most often we need to go in first of all with gratitude and thankfulness because it helps us connect to belief and faith in his love. Let's go to the next one. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let's call this repent. Confess our sin. And in Spanish, it's arrepiéntete. At least I hope. So we need to address our sin. Listen, he loves us. He loves us. It's a personal thing. And when we sin, when we rebel against him and reject his goodness... It's personal. How could it not be? Because he loves us. Any relationship, my wife, if I offend my wife, it's the elephant in the room until I address it. I mean, any of us married know this. We got to get rid of it. Now, it's paid for on the cross. It's dealt with. The punishment is dealt with. But let's apologize Let's address it, and for goodness sake, we have to forgive others. He's forgiven us. We have to forgive others. Give us today our daily bread. Ask. Pide in Spanish. Folks, daily. If it matters to you, it matters to him. If it's causing you fear, it's worthy of bringing to the throne. If you're worried about it, he cares about it. Everything, your needs, bring them to him and believe. Now, he is a good God. I have children. I have a minivan. The two-and-a-half-year-old loves to sit in the driver's seat of the minivan. Am I going to say, yes, you can drive the minivan? Absolutely not. Sometimes the no is the answer you need. But ask. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His kingdom is what we need. His lordship, his will. I want to call this yield, sede. Yield to his will. Seek his will, not your own. 
Again, sometimes a no is what we need, but oftentimes we just haven't, we need to seek, God, what do you want to do? What do you want in this situation? What is your best? I want to ask you for that, but go after his will. And even when, we tr- and when, when we're praying things and we're like, this is what I really want, I'm gonna trust you. And even Jesus did this in the Garden of, where he, Garden of Gethsemane where he said, Father, if it be your will, let this, pass, let this cup pass from me but not my will, but your will be done. Even Jesus demonstrated this. It's okay for you to ask for things. It's okay for you to ask, but be ready to surrender to his will. So I wanna take and go another step here. So we've got an acronym. We've got pray. We've talked about our fear. We've talked about that stronghold that we've got to address. So here, here's where we are so far. Fear has to go, and we've got to fight against it and go for the peace. We focus on God's faithfulness. That's the P. We focus on God's faithfulness through praise and thanksgiving. That begins to get us, give us faith. We depend on him daily, asking for our needs And we address sin because sin separates from us. It brings the elephant in the room between us and God, and we got to deal with our sin. We yield to and seek to understand and know his will and surrender to it. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you something. Across all our campuses everywhere, I'll tell you something. That is a prayer life that will rock your world and change you to, a part, to the, more the image of Jesus Christ each and every day, and people around you will go, what is going on with you? What is going on with you? Because you've got a peace. Something's going on with you. What is going on? And folks, that's what we need to do. That's what we have to have. Now, but there's another step we need to take. All right, so we're gonna take it one more step. Ephesians 6, 18 through 19. This is Paul talking again to the church in Ephesus. And he says, pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession. Stay alert. Think about that. Staying alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. This is a major work among the body of Christ that we are called to. Staying alert and praying for each other. Man, I know, oh man, my friend, you know, Tim, he's going through this. I, I need to be praying for him right now. Or I know this person, this lady, I'm not sure. I'm praying for her right now because I know she's going through some stuff. I've got their backs. And we need to have each other's backs in prayer and stay alert for one another. That's what we're called to do. But another passage Or then Paul says this, pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. I have people praying for me that this message would be filled with boldness and this would not be me, it would be God. And I pray that for Matt and I I know many people are praying for Matt, the same thing. We need to pray for each other and pray. Paul was saying this, Paul was incredibly effective, but even Paul knew, I need the church praying for me for gospel effectiveness. We've got to be praying for each other. God's calling us to it. So there's a consequence if we don't. 
We're called to do this. It's a privilege to partner, partner with God in this. But then I want to go to 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 2. First of all, then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made. There's all those words again. Be made for everyone, for kings, and all the, and if you want to put presidents in here. Yep. Presidents. And all those who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. My wife and I, we pray for every president, no matter what. We're always praying God to bless them with wisdom, to guide them. We often pray that God would raise up, and if you understand this reference, understand, raise up Daniels and Josephs into their midst to give them wisdom and help them understand. Just like Daniel was given to King Nebuchadnezzar, who was a very wicked king, but God guided him. Our government is under God's control, but he's calling the church to pray and intercede for it. We have a role to play. Church, our prayer must grow to include our world and our mission. You see, as we learn to stay connected to the love of God, as we get out of self-preservation motive, I don't care about anybody else. I'm too stressed out to worry about it. I'm too stressed and I'm worried and I'm angry and I'm upset about my little thing. I don't care about your problems. God begins to heal that. And we begin to have the capacity to love others. We have the capacity to live for more than ourselves. We become an overflow. And this is what the living waters are supposed to be that Jesus told us he wanted to bring into our hearts. Living waters that overflow and get all over everybody else. We should have the capacity for more. And so we take our stand in prayer for our world and our church and our mission. And we're praying for Easter invites and we're praying for our neighbors and our coworkers and our family members to come to know Jesus. And in many ways for their blind eyes to be opened and we're praying for our government and we're praying for God to raise up righteousness and to address evil. God is still doing things. It's not done. We are called to pray. We must take our stand in prayer, Rockbridge. So I, I, wanna, I wanna give you a few steps that we can take at Rockbridge to move into this place. We're called to, we got to fight for, fight for peace. We fight to get rid of the fear and we fight to move into the peace. But I want to give us a few options. First is this. We do a daily prayer text. Now, some of you have heard about this and all you have to do is text RB Praise to this phone number, 888-744-0761. Now you're going, okay, what's the big deal with that? Over 400 people across our six or six campuses online, over 400 people subscribe to this. Every day we send out a prayer. We are trying to make those even more missional and strategic and intercessory for our world. Can you imagine going to a prayer meeting where 400 people to come together around one subject? I think that would get the attention of our Father. Well, you can join into that prayer meeting by just simply getting a prayer text and taking five minutes a day and reading it and joining the people of Rockbridge in prayer. It's that simple, and you're on a prayer team. That's pretty easy. There's over 400 people. I think that's incredible. I love that about our church. Now, 
We are actually starting on April 13th, and especially those of you who are online, this is a great option for you. On Wednesdays that are not first Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m., we're going to have a prayer meeting online via Zoom. If you are interested in this, you'll need to be emailed instructions. Email me, alfred at robridge.cc, that's me, and I will send you the instructions on signing on, but that will be starting on April 13th. But send that email to me, I'll send you that information, and you can participate in that online prayer meeting across all our campuses. And again, if you're online, this is a great opportunity for you. And then, of course, First Wednesday, it's, this, it, it's, it's right here. First Wednesday, we come together as a church. We intercede together. We pray together. We worship together. We focus on what Jesus did for us on the cross. We pray. Will you take your place in prayer? Will you join us? Will you push back and fight to push off the fear and move into your inheritance that God wants to give you some of it right now? And it's the peace and the joy that goes beyond understanding that he wants to bring to you so that it overflows, so that you look like Jesus, so that you're effective in your workplace, neighborhood, school, wherever you are, your family members, people are going, what has happened to them? And Jesus is glorified in you. And then we're praying for our world. We're praying for our church. We're praying and we are going to see a move of God. It's guaranteed. Would you pray with me now? Father, thank you so much for your love given to us in Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you desire that we push past fear and move into faith and peace. Lord God, we ask that you make us a church of prayer that you make us a church that is burdened for the world and prays and intercedes for the world, that you would make us a church effective at demonstrating the nature of Jesus wherever we go so that our communities are filled with the glory of Jesus. We ask this in his name, the name of Jesus. Amen.